0: It's time for Talking Michigan Transportation, a podcast devoted to the conversations with people at the forefront of the ongoing mobility revolution. In the state that put the world on wheels, here's your host, MDOT Communications Director
1: Jeff Cranston.
0: Hi, once again, this is the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast, and today I'm really pleased to have with me Trevor Paul, who has been named by the governor to head up the new. Office of Future Mobility and Electrification for Michigan, and as he points out himself, that's a mouthful. Trevor, thanks for taking time to do this.
1: Great to be here.
0: So tell us, what does it mean?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I I should probably start with the definitions of mobility and electrification. So when we talk about mobility and the future of mobility, it refers to technologies and services that enable people and goods to move around more freely. It's tied to transportation, but the word automotive isn't in there, meaning that it includes automotive, but it also includes all the other different ways that people and goods move around our state. And then electrification refers to the range of technologies that use electricity to propel a vehicle. Uh, Why that's important is because if you're seeing more electric vehicles on the road, it's likely the environment's gonna improve, it's likely more efficient in terms of fuel consumption, Um, less cost to the user. So really the idea of the office is to bring together all the different things happening in the state under a common vision as it relates to the future of mobility and as it relates to the future of electrification.
0: So I've come to know you over the past couple years because of your work specifically with Planet M, which is kind of a broad umbrella uh, brand that was created with your agency, MEDC, and with MDOT to, you know, help guide these these various technologies and these groups and, and create this collaborative atmosphere which is, you know, one of the things Michigan really has going for it. You hear that all the time that other states want to create that kind of ecosphere where you've got academia, private industry and government all working together and that's been a big part of what Planet M's been able to do. But even before then, before your time with Planet M, you know, what got you to M E D. C and into this work?
1: Yeah, sure. So um Way back in the day, um, I, when I came out of school, I, I got into advertising. And um, I was um, working at a company called ePrize, putting together promotions like um, an online game to get people excited about Wendy's Breakfast or Scott's Fertilizer. Um, but this was also during the time when uh, the recession hit hard, like think 2008, 2009. And I wanted to be a, a bigger part of what was happening in sort of a historic moment, so I switched over to economic development and got a job at the Detroit Regional Chamber, launching a matchmaking platform that connected local buyers to, or sorry, local suppliers to global buyers. So think about that machine shop on Van Dyke Avenue in Detroit um, needing to find new lines of business to stay alive. It would be on us to sort of get in the door at Boeing and help them get into commercial aviation or aerospace, supplying those sorts of companies or any other industry that could give those companies sort of a, uh, a lifeline, if you will. That program ultimately was um, acquired by the state of Michigan through the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, which is the economic development arm of the governor's office. And I did that for a wide variety of years and and took over some other state programs too, our international trade program and then also our entrepreneurial program. But around 2017, I was asked to focus on mobility. And um, I was good at putting together programs, but admittedly, I I wasn't as smart on on the future of transportation. So I relied heavily on my friends at MDOT and industry to to get me up to speed on what was needed. And we tried to build a platform that was relevant, that did a couple of things. Um, First of all, we, uh, you know, focused on smart infrastructure as a means to improve the quality of life, um, and, and frankly, the, the safety of pedestrians and drivers. So we worked with them on a series of technology activations, you know, whether it was helping, um, you know, the elderly, uh, in the UP leverage, you know, idle fleets to get to a doctor's appointment or the grocery store or, or helping Detroit detect potholes. There are different things that we tried to do. And secondly, um, we focused on sort of creating the connectivity within the ecosystem that you think would exist naturally, but because folks are so heads down around here um, trying to, to move their business forward, sometimes it's tough to get that startup in front of that corporate or that corporate and that university together. Or the American Center for Mobility, which is a, a testing site in southeast Michigan, connected to somewhere in west Michigan. So we did a lot of that that stuff, um, and it's sort of hard to track. I know it's a little softer, but over time, it did... You know, prove, prove out. I mean, just from those connections, we were able to, uh, um, recognize $95 million in, in investment, um, in Michigan. So then that ultimately led to the, you know, the governor's office, um, at the beginning of last year wanting to focus on mobility, trying to figure out how, and then ultimately thinking that the right structure to figure out how and to move the ball forward was to create this office. Um, and then subsequently the chief, Mobility officer position. So this is sort of the next chapter in the ongoing narrative, Jeff. Sorry, that was a little bit long-winded. No, but, but
0: uh, that's good because I think that explains. Yeah, that explains kind of a natural evolution from you know from business to business matchmaking to what you're doing now. I mean, those those skills all pay off and those connections pay off. And I think it's 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 good that you explained the evolution of this office and how it was created because it it demonstrates that a new governor came in saw what previous administrations have been doing in this area, you know, is this in this space, as people like to say, with mobility, and didn't reject any of it, just said, how can we make this better? You know, what can we do to take what we've done and take it to the next step? And I think that's a great thing.
1: Absolutely. And, I mean, the focus that our, our governor has put on equity um, is tied directly back to removing mobility barriers, whether it's in our cities or um in rural northern Michigan, Uh, and that's what this new office is going to be focused on. And
0: our lieutenant governor um, also has a keen interest in that and is very supportive of that. So talk a little bit about that because I don't think people hear enough about that when we talk about automated vehicles. Um, Really, all the things that the future of mobility could be. John Paracchio who was the chairman of the Michigan Mobility Future Mobility Council like to say that we have to think about the diversity of users you know everything from scooters to you know he likes to talk about dogs on skateboards so um, but but yeah. How, yeah what is the what is the social justice the equity component of all this?
1: Yeah so um, driverless vehicles when, you, when I say that term some people think a car without a steering wheel Other people think of bikes or scooters. Everyone sort of has their own definition of a a driverless vehicle or a self-driving vehicle. Um, It depends on the environment they're in and the experience that they've had. Um, I fundamentally believe that um, besides making our lives um, safer, greener, more productive, mobility and the future of mobility and the technologies that allow a car or a vehicle to drive itself can uphold a person's dignity in a way that we haven't seen. Um and frankly I think the infrastructure, the sidewalks, the traffic lights, can can be a dancing partner in many ways to upholding that person's dignity. Um leveraging technology, sensor technology, whether it's signal priority or or it's something else, there there are ways, sort of unseen ways To make life a little easier in michigan for folks that haven't always had it easy um and i frankly i mean beyond that i mean people think like oh mobility detroit automotive i mean that is not i mean that's yes it's an epicenter but, but we don't our programs don't end when you leave southeast michigan and frankly the future of mobility as i mentioned at the beginning isn't just about getting in a car that drives itself or a pod that drives itself. It's as much about, you know, the movement of goods and the movement of goods, sort of whether it's in a factory or on a farm, like an autonomous weeder. <laughs> we, we actually worked, uh, we had a company in Silicon Valley that came to Michigan to try to find partners for an autonomous weeder. So there are different aspects of mobility that people don't always uh, think about. One is which one in the state is, um, thinking outside of Southeast Michigan, which we'll do. And then the second is, is again, removing those barriers for folks which are which already working on.
0: So in terms of thinking outside of Southeast Michigan, as you know, uh, you talked about signal prioritization and that's uh, a reference to what you could possibly do with transit and bus rapid transit. There's only one such service now and that's on the rapid in Grand Rapids. The second bus rapid transit system is gonna go online soon uh, linking Grand Valley State University, your alma mater in Allendale with downtown Grand Rapids and you'll have a dedicated lane where bus, buses can flow um, in their own lane with signal prioritization. So those are all the big things that are happening and, and we're hopeful that with the RTA and the future of you know what, what we're looking at for transit in Metro Detroit, we can see the same things. But in the short term, these technologies are already saving lives and I think that's, you know again, John Paracchio talked about that And that's lost on people that think you're just talking about driverless cars and I'm not ready for that. That idea scares the heck out of me, so, you know, go away. And they don't realize that um, they might have had the same fears about anti-lock brakes. And now would you own a car without anti-lock brakes or driver assist, you know, whether it's lane assist telling you that you're drifting into the lanes, um, uh, you know, Adaptive cruise control, so you don't creep up on the car in front of you. It, it, it regulates that. And automatic braking. I mean, all those things are the incremental things toward this kind of automated you know, driverless car that we're going to have someday. But in the meantime, it's already saving lives.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I read a stat that there's been almost 10,000 fatal car crashes in Michigan over the last decade. And I think the average national average is about 94% of those are attributed to human error. And frankly, the sooner we can deploy smart infrastructure, the more lives are going to be saved. I was reading, I think it was from the University of Michigan, I was reading um, another statistic that mentioned that deploying highly automated vehicles and smart infrastructure, that is just 10% safer for the average human, will save more lives than if we wait until it's at
0: 75%. I believe that. Yeah. I firmly believe that. well, so talk about the, the office and, and what you see you know, coming together in the near term and in the long term. I mean, in a, in a sense, you're kind of a ringmaster in this role because you've got so many partners and you're trying to keep everybody yeah. moving in the same direction. And that's challenging, but it can be very rewarding, too.
1: Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, here are the numbers. Uh, there's 17 state departments that are working in some way on the future of mobility, directly or indirectly. And then within those 17 departments, there's over 135 different commissions, councils, teams that have their own projects. So part of this office, and I know we're not gonna always bat a thousand, but we're gonna try, is to bring a lot of those groups together, or at least develop lines of communication so we're all reading off the same script. Um, So for us, our vision is, is simple, right? It's a stronger state economy, and safer, more equitable, and environmentally conscious transportation for Michigan residents. And so if you break that down into sort of two North Star goals, it's global mobility leadership and national electrification leadership. We say national electrification leadership is because, you know, you go around the world and there's just different forms of, of uh, government in places like the United Arab Emirates and Singapore and even Europe that um, are tough to compete against right now. But if we can be the leaders in the U.S., I think it really positions us well globally. So what do you say to now this? We-
0: Uh, What do you say to the skeptics on that front who, you know, know very few people have electric cars, um, more have some kind of hybrid, but a a fully electric vehicle is still a small percentage of the users, and they think, you know, oh, that's a long ways off. I don't see that happening, you know, between range anxiety and, you know, all of the various challenges. um, Why are you bullish on that?
1: Well, it's not as much. I think me being bullish on it, as the entire global industry is, I mean, EVs, whether we like it or not in Michigan, are right now, or well, I shouldn't say right now, but they're projected to be about 33% of sales by 2025, um, and they're surging upwards right now, uh, even within a pandemic, um, and they're expected to pass internal combustion engine vehicle sales by 2030, uh, taking about 51% of the market. Um, uh, Europe and China are, are leading. Um, we are, majority of our vehicles in the U.S. are still on the road, are still internal combustion engines, so not electric powered. Where in other places, you're seeing the, that in the inverse, where in Europe and China, there are more EVs on the road in certain areas. Um, so, but, but the truth is, and going back to your question a bit, is that our charging infrastructure isn't there yet. And people should have range anxiety at the moment and should be careful how they drive their EVs. But the the intent of this office and the intent of our ongoing partnership with MDOT is to figure out how to move as fastly or fastly as briskly as possible to um, get a regional charging network in place and then provide sort of the policy levers, whether it's charging incentives or other things that we can do to expedite innovation around, around our charging infrastructure. Um, and, and I'm confident in this administration, uh, this MDOT leadership, and this new office, that we can get that done. Um, so and frankly, like, I mean, we have EV producers in the state like Rivian um, and, and the Detroit Three that demand that of state government. If um, so they're going to continue to invest in us and, and create jobs here, we're going to need to follow suit and create that infrastructure and create those policies to move us forward.
0: Yeah, and so I think that is something that uh, when you talk about 17 state departments, that sounds like a lot, and you think, how could they all have a piece of this? And it's because of all those things you just talked about that fall into various categories. Obviously, yeah. uh, you know, that's a, that's a big factor for energy and the environment, um, and it's a big factor for everything we do in terms of how we move. And I, I see it happening, and I see more and more interest in it. Um, hearing 2025, I wonder if, if it could even be sooner than that that we hit you know, what did you say, probably 33% by then? I I wonder if it'll it'll go faster than that, possibly. Possibly. Yeah. Well, so, I guess, lastly, we talked about the the near-term, long-term. You know, what do you see this office doing um, in terms of business development and, you know, business retention and and business growth, I guess?
1: Sure. So, I have a short list here that I'd love to share with you, Jeff. Um, so, the first thing on that list is increased mobility investment in Michigan. So that means generating new investment from the companies here, but also companies in Silicon Valley that are maybe looking for a new operation location, and generally creating jobs, um, creating mobility-focused jobs. The second thing is expanding Michigan's smart infrastructure leads, so developing systems and connectivity even more than we already have to deploy, auto- deploy autonomous and shared transportation. Explain Um, smart
0: infrastructure for the layman.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Sorry about that. Um, So it's infrastructure that is able to talk to the vehicle and even talk to things like your phone or anything else on you that has the ability to connect wirelessly. Um, And, uh, frankly, it it creates an environment, too, where vehicles can talk to vehicles. And why it's important to have all these different things talking to one another is because... um, Either the infrastructure or the vehicle can give the other one a heads up if there's an issue. whether it's a traffic accident, maybe it's construction.
0: Or and maybe it's you know the one. same reason when I'm riding on the trail and there are people walking in front of me, and I say "On your left, right," they would.
1: That's even more. Yes, that, that is more basic and better explanation. They yes. would know I was coming. How you've this before, John?
0: No, I, I think that's that's what people need to think about. Though they, I think when you hear that. Vehicle to vehicle. Why does my car need to talk to that other car? It's like just so he knows it's there. That's why so.
1: Yeah, and, and just to you know to give you the rest of the things on my list I, I want to engage more mobility startups we're, I believe we're the premier state for these young companies to build and commercialize in technology We just need to begin more conversations with them um, And then further enabling Michigan's mobility workforce. I mean, there's gonna be a lot of displacement as well as opportunity uh, that's going to be caused by the future of mobility. So, what do we do right now to creating training programs necessary to be global, global, globally competitive? Sorry, I can't talk today. No, no,
0: no um, that's you, a that's a good one too, though. That anxiety about that displacement—it's kind of yeah. like what's going on in retail right now. It, you know, you 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 might shed a tear about your brick and mortar, but you might also know somebody who's got a really good job delivering for Amazon. So, 100%. yeah, that's yeah. the transformation and. We can we can try to be nostalgic if we want, but you just you can't stop this natural progression really.
1: Yep. Yep. And then I we talked about EVs and then we got a bolster Michigan's mobility manufacturing core. Um, that's part of this too. So those are the things we're gonna be working on.
0: Yeah, yeah. You got through that list in a hurry, actually. I uh, I I, <laughs> I was looking at it myself. So yeah.
1: There's stuff for lists.
0: Yeah. Maybe real quickly before we wrap it up, just a little bit more on that bolstering the, uh, the manufacturing core. How does this factor into that?
1: Um, yeah, so uh, I think there, there are a couple ways. Um, I, there, it, it seems like a very um, shiny object right now, the future of mobility. Um, to say if you're a local Warren-based machine shopper Wyoming-based machine, Wyoming-Michigan-based machine shop. How do you talk to Google? How do you talk to Uber? How do you show that your, your materials would be perfect and at the right price point for some of these companies? So I think it's incumbent upon us to begin to look at making more of those sorts of connections and allow more Michigan companies to take part in the evolution of the industry, this new part of the industry. Um, secondly i think it goes back to enabling our workforce um, whether it's maintaining the uh, radar needed uh, for a driverless vehicle or maintaining like we talked about earlier the smart infrastructure um, i mean a lot of the, the workforce that will be displaced it's not because they're not talented it's because they, they haven't been given the right sets of information to solve the problems that are going to come at us in the next five or ten years um, and a lot of that's going to have to do with manufacturing um, and specifically around the different products and services we're going to be, you know, placing in our vehicles and placing on our roads. Um, so, and there's, I mean, I don't want to get into this, but there, there's a revolution going on too with advanced manufacturing and artificial intelligence um, and, and, you know, sort of the internet of things and data and sort of what we collect during the manufacturing process, too, that's going to impact this industry. And we need to make sure that whatever we're doing for that to get people ready, we also need to make sure it's married to the future of mobility and all the different innovations that oh, are coming. Uh,
0: we, we could dedicate a whole podcast to the, to the data collection and data sharing. Heck, we could probably dedicate a series of podcasts just to that alone. But, no, this is yeah. good, Trevor, and I know that we're going to have – you know, more announcements and more initiatives that are going to be, uh, you know, that are going to grow out of this and things to be excited about. So I'm sure we can talk about it more. But in the meantime, I think you summed it up pretty well. So thanks for doing this.
1: Yeah, this is great. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay. Thanks again for listening to this week's edition of Talking Michigan Transportation. And I want to give a special thanks to Corey Petey, who uh, does the sound engineering for the podcast and to Sarah Martin, Uh, of MDOT, who does the show's intro and closing. That's a wrap for this edition of Talking Michigan Transportation. Check out show notes and more on SoundCloud, or by subscribing on Apple Podcasts.